This is Back to Devi, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. We're, we're both a little bit sick today, actually. Um, <laughs> but hey, we're talking about uh, some ranking updates. We haven't done one of these in a while. We're kind of doing who's our biggest riders and followers on the year. We are starting our rookie profiles. We're a little bit late to the game. Last year, we were a little bit early. This year, we're a little bit late. So <laughs> it be all good by next year. And uh, we're going to just go over some news real quick. Corey, with the news. Yeah, let's head over to some of the coaching carousel followed here from from the college world. Um, some big, big news here with uh, Alabama head coach Dick Saban is retiring. Um, so that opens up a whole Pandora's box of stuff. A bunch of guys entering the portal now. And it looks like they're going to take former Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer, who is now going to Alabama. And keep with me here. Keep following. And now Arizona head coach Jed Fish is heading over to Washington to fill Kalen DeBoer's spot. So both these three teams have a bunch of things going on right now. We're seeing a bunch of guys from Alabama enter the portal now. I mean, Isaiah Bond just entered. He's going to head over to Texas. Uh, Amari Black, tight end over there, had a, had a pretty decent year over there. He's entered the portal as well. And then even to the Washington side, we're looking like, you know, they have no no scholarship quarterbacks on the roster whatsoever. So like Austin Mack joined the portal, uh, Will Rogers back in the portal, something saying that those guys could follow DeBoer over to Alabama as well. So really interesting thing, really interesting news here with a lot of these guys. How are you feeling about all these, all this movement uh, so far in, in college? You know, it makes it exciting. And I do feel a little bit bad for the Arizona fans. I mean, like, are they going to be going back to be a poverty, like, organization? With, yeah. Like, fish leaving? Like, that's what I'm worried about. And then, uh, like, are, are like, are they going to lose T-Mac? Are they going to lose uh, Noah Fafita? Like, Jane Delore just entered the portal as well. Or he went to Texas State, I believe, actually. He, the rumors they'll stay if they bring on the defensive coordinator as the head coach. That's okay. the rumor. The players are, like, uniting and wanting the defensive coordinator. At least that's, that's what the word on the street is. Yeah, so that would be huge news for them. And then, like, I don't even know what happens with Alabama here. Like, do they stick with Jalen Milrow now? Like, does he fit Kalen DeBoer's drop-back offense? Like, are they going to ask Milrow to toss it 500 times now? Like, or, or There's an opening for tight end now. There's an opening for tight end. Lamar and I black leaving. But um, jokes aside, though, uh, we've been talking about, like, the Pac-12 forming into all these conferences. And now we get another Pac-12 offense coming into the SEC. So I, I just wonder if it's going to translate well. Uh, I don't really doubt it, though. I'm just speculating. I don't, yeah, I don't doubt it. It's going to be weird to see Alabama with a somewhat gimmicky offense, I guess. Like, you know, like Kalen DeBoer's offense, like a lot of fluff pre-play, like moving around, shifting guys around. Not something we've typically seen from Alabama over the past few years. They're, they're very, like, they're a vertical offense. Like, they pass the ball a lot. But at the same time, they, you know, even last year with Jalen Miller, you don't see a lot of that fluff pre-play. They're not, they're not trying to dazzle you with all this stuff. That's kind of what I feel like Kalen DeBoer does. It's going to be weird to see that um going on here in alabama yeah it's like going from pro style to like what's more kind of hot right now around like the college offenses that are scoring a lot of points you know yeah and i'm still wondering you know if we are going to see more guys enter like 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 jalen miller is he going to go like is 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 rogers going to come here because he's kind of the guy who you'd probably expect more to pass 500 times but it's like we're not excited about will rogers at all is he going to become the quarterback it's 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 a very weird thing jeremy bernard as well that was a guy that we thought was going to break out at washington is he going to be a guy that could possibly commit to alabama now they're 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 starting trio right now is like what jalen hale um who's the other guy that broke uh prentice Kendrick, kendrick law and Kendrick Law, like that's like they're three, they're three deep right now at that wide receiver, which is like just, just ugly, bad. really. <laughs> yeah, bring in Jeremiah Hunter, bro. Jeremiah, come on over. 
Oh yeah, I guess so. Oh yeah. Oh, I I, I totally forgot that follow up for you because now you're losing him going to Washington. Being like, he still gets Jed Fish though, so he might I, not I, be like yeah. yeah. As long as the other guys don't come over, feels like he, it's an upgrade over Cal no matter what. Like he won yes. this offseason no matter what. Oh, yeah, for sure. So lots of stuff to keep an eye on there. Lots of guys that could be potentially entering or whatever. So keep your eyes on that situation. Heading over to a couple other guys that have found their new destinations in the in the transfer portal. Some of the bigger names here. Evan Stewart, he's going to head to Oregon to be part of that kind of fun offense over there with Dylan Gabriel now. Um, former USC wide receiver Dorian Singer, a guy that we've never really been high on. He's over to Utah, so we could pretty much forget about him, I think, going forward. But we'll see. We'll see how that ends up working out for him. Michael Trigg. Um, former Ole Miss, former USC tight end, spring game star, uh, never follows it up in the regular season. He's headed over to Baylor. And then uh, we've got Logan Diggs, uh, former LSU running back, heading over to Ole Miss to kind of fill that gap there left by Quichon Jenkins. And then kind of an interesting one here um, that I kind of want to look into this guy a little bit. Liberty wide receiver, former Liberty wide receiver, CJ Daniels. He's heading over to LSU to help fill some of the gaps there left by Brian Thomas and, and Malik Neighbors as well. So anybody here that kind of stands out to you? Um, stands out. I mean, no, I, Evan Stewart to Oregon, love it. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna move my rankings, doesn't move the needle at all. So, good for him there. We never cared about Singer, and we don't care about Trig. No, <laughs> Diggs is interesting to me because, like, he's like, we don't like him for like NFL upside, like, but he can get touches in college, and we don't really know what that backfield is gonna look like. They have like, you know, Ulysses Bentley, we've never really been excited about him as a runner either. Yeah, change of pace guy. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm interested in seeing how that backfield works out. Like from a fan perspective, I'm not holding my breath for anyone there for Debbie. And then CJ Daniels to LSU. I just want to get, I want to know your opinion about that one because six foot two, 200, one of the leading receivers coming from the G5. He played against the 133rd ranked strength of schedule as a fourth year <laughs> breakout. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe he leads this room? Because this room is really wide open. This oh, is I honestly. I honestly have no idea. Like, like I even started off this this section by saying, like, CJ Daniels is someone I need to look into a little bit more. Like, you know, he's part of that Liberty offense or kind of like that triple option with uh, what's his name at the helm, Keen Salter, um, a little bit gimmicky, stuff like that. So it's like uh, very, very efficient as well with his catches. Like, I think he only caught like 50 something balls on the year. Like, I'm, I'm eager to see if all that can translate to LSU, who's a little bit more pro, like pro style, not not super pro style, but at least they have more elements of it. Like they don't have that triple option and guys getting open because of things like that. So that'll be an interesting thing to see somebody. I definitely want to look, look into uh, going into this off season. Yeah. 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 Uh, heading over to the NFL draft. Um, most of the guys that you guys thought would commit, uh, committed. So I don't need to go over them. You know, your JJ McCarthy's your Caleb Williams, all those guys committed. I thought it would just be better to tell you the guys that are returning. So we've got Texas quarterback, Quentin Ewers. He's returning. That was kind of expected. It was a rumor, but I think that's a good move for him. I think he has a couple more things to clean up, but could easily be in contention for a round on pick next year. Um, one of my favorites, uh, Arizona wide receiver, Elijah Badger. He's going to be returning to Arizona State as well. Um, Donovan Edwards, Michigan running back. He's going to be returning, possibly head that backfield uh, next year um, after his big bowl game. And then these are the two most interesting ones that maybe I want to get your opinion on a little bit. Mr. Cameron Ward, we just talked about him heading to the NFL draft. Well, it apparently didn't sit right with him from what I was reading. He was up every night thinking about it. He's decided now to go back before the deadline hits, and he's going to go be the quarterback for Miami. That's a big get for Miami. Um, 
given, you know, they're probably going to be relying on Emery Williams, who we like a little bit, but is still a young guy. They didn't really have anybody there. And then the other one uh, I want to get your opinion on too, is the two Ohio State guys returning, which is Trevion Henderson returning and Emeka Ibuka returning, which is pretty good for that team overall because they had some they had some holes, but the running back one is kind of weird to me. So what were your thoughts on these two? Yeah, I, Cam Ward going back for, like, look, Miami's got to be excited. They're hunting for a QB and kept striking out. So this is really yeah. exciting for Miami. Um, I don't know, dude. Miami's been disappointing like every year. I don't know if yeah. it's the development that we want there. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm just happy for the fan base for the school. Abuka going back is fine with me. I mean, I think it solidifies mm-hmm. it's going to be Tate and Abuka, the one and two, going back healthy with our boy Will Howard throwing, who's a better quarterback today than Kyle McCord. That's that's at least a minimum. Uh, Henderson going back. It's very like, I don't know why. Like why? Yeah. I I assume he was a second round pick across the board. Like go get your money. It's a weak class. Like you're healthy now. I don't, I don't understand the why. And people are saying NIL money and it's like, well, Quinton Judkins was absolutely looking for NIL money. So you telling me these boosters are paying Travion and Judkins for one year close to like a million dollars or something like, that. like that's just that to me that feels like it's kind of a hard pill to swallow like running backs are kind of like a dime it doesn't you had a guy that you were pretty good with with uh with judkins coming over like did they want did they try to convince travion was it his decision on his own to come back like very weird circumstances there i guess this will be you know kind of a split backfield going forward there's there was a couple debates in our um in our slack channel recently like some guys think that they are like Sorry, in, in CFF, they're over top 40 picks. Uh, some guys think they're top 25 picks still to both of them, that they can both be um, productive. And, you know, maybe this is back to like the J.K. Dobbins days. And uh, who is the other guy they had there? I can't even remember his name. They were splitting with J.K. Dobbins and some other guy. I can't remember his name right now, but they had, did pretty well in the running game when they used two guys there. So maybe it's kind of a return to that, with you know, working in Will Howard or whatever. So that'll kind of be an interesting one to watch, I think. Was it Master Teague? Was that before him he or? was there but i want to say it was somebody else okay I yeah i can't remember the guy's name right now i'm not a fan of split backfields um usually you have one guy that's a little bit more dominant than the other like i'm thinking about of uh like javante williams and like michael carter but i'm really hoping that it turns out to be like sony michelle and nick chubb that's what i'm really hoping it turns out to be mike weber was the guy mike weber both guys were close to a thousand yard rushers in that year too he got hurt one of the years and jk Dobbins kind of blew up um, so, so that could kind of be a path for both these guys to see some success and maybe they kind of rely more on the running game. Maybe that's kind of the idea here working in a new quarterback or whatever. So I don't know. It'll be an interesting thing to watch for sure. Um, and guys be sure to head over to the website at campus where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options. Some of which include access to our draft guides, our CFF projections, our advanced metric tools. You guys see all over Twitter as well as the brand new CGC winning edge. I think it's going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts throughout the offseason. the statistical projections, the returning production that's coming up uh, in this upcoming offseason as well. It might be the best source for the transfer portal out there as well. Um, he's got where they're listed, where they might be going. Um, so it's a really great source for that. So make sure you guys, are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the offseason. I also wanted to add just one more declaration. I want to add Eric All, the tight end from Iowa, also declared for the draft. Oh, did he? I thought I, I thought I saw a tweet of them both coming back. So that's yeah, actually interesting. I know, like four hours ago or something like that. Yeah. So we talked about him and I think we both like him to a degree. So yeah, he's coming out. Uh, guys, look, if you guys are watching the NFL playoff series right now, it's a huge winter storm hitting. The entire United States. And everyone's talking about these custom jackets that uh, Kyle Jakutsu, I can't even say his last name. 
You shook. So, yeah, you shook. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him on TV in a while. Anyway, yeah. Kyle Juszczyk's wife is making for Taylor Swift. He's made another one, I think, for like Detroit, whatever. But if you're doing this stuff at home, go ahead and go to Home Field Apparel. You can get some vintage, retro, athletic gear from your favorite universities for college. You can make your own custom jacket. You just order a bunch of t-shirts and you can incorporate that into your own designs. Maybe send it to Taylor Swift. She might try it on, you know. Uh, anyway, or send it to me because it's cold over here. It's cold. <laughs> you guys don't even know cold. Get out of here. Oh, Corey. <laughs> well, we got our first snowfall today. Yeah. So. What's the temperature over there today? Cold. Cold. Yeah. No. I don't even. I send my dog out. And I just time how fast he comes back inside. It's yeah, it's crazy. brutal over here now. It it truly hit. It's like minus thirty every day over here right now. So I think it's like brutal. twenty twenty five. Yeah. So you guys can probably go for a swim. I guess if you want, it's kind of nice, nice and warm. Yeah, it's shorts weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, we're gonna start off with our rookie profiles. We're gonna start off at the top. We're gonna start off with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, two wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr., he's what is he listed at? Six foot four, two oh five. Is that still true? Anyway, I don't think he's six foot four. Let me just start off by saying that real quick. Hmm. There are photos of him working working out with QJ. Quentin Johnson, everyone's favorite first rounder from last you're year. You're like the you're like the photo guy, just constantly trying to find out people's heights by looking at like photos and comparing them to people. <laughs> you just want to be cheap and just read off a sheet, like just open your eyes and look. He's not <laughs> six foot four. He's clearly not. And yeah. If you want to argue six foot three, I think that's fine. But there's photos of him training with QJ, standing next to each other, and like QJ's taller, and QJ is a confirmed six foot two point seven. Anyway, I think Marvin Harrison is six foot two, maybe six foot two and a half. And I think that's actually a good thing because he's a route runner. He's not like a tall alpha. He's not physical. It's not really part of his profile. Stuff I do like to see in my guys that are six foot four because I don't expect him to be good movers. But Marvin Harrison Jr., though, is an excellent mover. Probably the mm-hmm. best route runner in this class, one of the best athletes in this class. And having those two combined together is just amazing. I think he's got phenomenal hands, too. I want to say this year, though, like 13 contested catches out of 30 like that's a bad number but i watch the tape like i don't really see that i don't feel it either when i watch him i feel like a lot of that's like ball placement issues and like i don't know dude i think he's got really good hands and the numbers don't really reflect that this year yeah he's got a 52 percent rate contested catch rate over his career which is a fine number you know if you can tell if you can tell that's me a that guy's a 50, if you can tell me a guy's 50 50 when i'm going to throw him the ball so that that's pretty good for me and i agree with you like good route runner like one of the things i always say is underrated in route running is great tempo and deception in his routes like he does you know like he'll lull a guy to sleep and then break off to the side like he doesn't run everything at 100 miles per hour which is one of the things that i think a lot of a lot of more raw wide receivers do thinking they just got to be fast the whole time it's not you know you can see guys like deandre hopkins or anybody garrett wilson is, is fantastic at this too like they they know how to play with their tempos in their routes. That's one thing that I really see from him. Um, when you look at like the advanced metrics too, you know, over three yards per outrun past two years, he had a nice 3.44 number this year. You know, even though the raw statistics were slightly down, like it goes to show you like how important he was to a team that was transitioning to Kyle McCord being at quarterback. It's a legitimate step down the passing game from Stroud. Um, and he created plays on his own resulted in like the best yak number of his career as well. So um, I think his speed and his first step off the line are going to translate as well. But I mean, I, I know you call him a great athlete, but I, I, I don't personally think he's a he's a pure burner. And maybe that's something you can try to convince me on or whatever. But he actually had some like pretty low testing times as a recruit. I'm not hanging my hat on that. I, we've seen those change quite a bit throughout his collegiate career. But I just don't get the sense that he's like a big time straight line burner. Like I'd probably put his time like, 
I don't know, mid four fours, mid four fours and up. Oh yeah, I mean that's like, fine I, like, me. I think that's yeah, good. like I don't think he's going to be a four three guy. I saw some people arguing about it on Twitter, like he's going to drop four three. Then again, you know, some people say Ohio State's track is is sloped downhill and this and that. And we've <laughs> yeah. seen some crazy times over the past past few years, so. Um, it'll be an interesting thing to watch, but I don't think that he's like a four, three guy. I don't think that. And then, you know, if we are, if we're just going to nitpick, whatever, just to give you guys some downside and whatever, um, you know, at six, four or six, three, six, two, whatever he is not necessarily going to be like super agile in small spaces. He hasn't hit double digit, uh, missed tackles for us in all three years of his career. But I really think like he's a, the type of guy that wins much before the catch than then after it. You know what I mean? Like my NFL comparison, I think you locked in on this one with me was is AJ Green, who I think was an underrated fluid mover at his size, um, especially as a route runner. I see some of the spectacular catches he makes, some of the movement skills he has. To me, Marvin Harrison easily locked in uh, top three pick in Superflex draft and easily the 1.01 in a one quarterback drafts. Yeah, fully agree with all that. Uh, I also think I, I don't like his yak ability. I know he took a yeah. statistically he took a step forward this year, but I really just don't think he survives for his contact that often. It's not his game. Like like I said, I think he's a guy who wins before the catch much more than after it. Yeah, and that's just so well put. Yeah, so I don't think he survives for his contact too well. Um, I thought his yak really actually improved this year because scheme change. Kyle McCord can't push the ball downfield the way CJ. Yeah, they asked it. more of him in that sense. Like he created more plays on his own kind. Yeah. Of. He had to anyways to work a little bit shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I'm good. Marvin Harrison Jr. We're all done with that. We're going on the bleak neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Bleak neighbors, six foot 200. Last time I checked six foot 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that one, is that one lined up for you? Did you check some photos? Did you, I, I don't know you? if his arms are 200 pound arms, you know what I'm saying? No, I think he's, I think that's about accurate. It's all in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's accurate though. I think, I think Lee neighbors is a great mover, very explosive, good athlete, good testing mm-hmm. athlete. I mean, L- every LSU wide receiver tests a four, three, nine with the exception of Keishon Boutte. All of them test four, three, nine. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's going to test well too. I think the one thing that he offers is just, I think he might have the best spatial awareness in this draft class. I think he's the best against zone. Combined with actual explosive movements, I think he's also a manipulator too. So he kind of does both very well. Zone coverage and man coverage. Um, has, I think, really good hands too. I don't think, like, he's not easily bullied. That was his big jump, I think, from year one, year two to year three. Was that I think his hands improved. Like, I don't think he uh, was very good at, like, the contested catches. Uh, DBs can get in there, some pass breakups in there, but not so much going into year three. Yeah, especially in year one. Like, I mean, year one was a great, like, and this is why we push the year one zero theory, all right? Because early in his career, he broke multiple year one zero thresholds. And I'm I, like, there was some stuff there that you didn't like about the profile. He had a high drop rate. He was mainly an outside guy. He never played, or I mean, a uh, slot guy, sorry. He never played on the outside. And then as you watched it, like this was, this is the signs you want to look at. Uh, he showed growth year over year in those, in those areas. You know, um, his hands have gotten stronger. The decrease in drop rate, his missed tackles force rate has gone up. Even the raw production obviously has gone up. Started his career, mainly that 90% slot guy. He's grown into a versatile player who's seen his snap, like split 50-50 between the slot and outside. So like he's, to me, he's really a do-it-all player. Very well-rounded game. I do think that, you know, I've made this comparison uh, a little, uh, sometimes this offseason, similar to like a Jordan Addison. I don't think they're like, exactly the same but his preferred role at the next level might be a team's wide receiver too like i'm not sure i see him as a bona fide like x wide receiver but i see him as like a very very talented player it can do a little bit of everything for a player like 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 how we were talking about marvin harrison before he's not really an underneath guy most of his targets come like that intermediate to deep area really that that true x wide receiver 
Neighbors would be a perfect compliment to a guy like him in an offense, someone who can do a little bit more of that underneath stuff, um, you know, and can also go down the field if you need it as well. Like to me, he's wide receiver two in this class, uh, probably a top two pick in one quarterback and a top five pick in super flex leagues. I've been thinking about this player comp as a as a as a uh, as a prospect, not really as a pro. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore, have we talked about that before? You think I don't know if he has the same yak ability as DJ Moore though. I don't think he had that yak ability in college either. That's kind of why I said like as a prospect. That's fair. I'd have to go back and actually look at that. Because yeah, DJ I, Moore I was one of those guys that like he wasn't even Devi rostered a lot. Like he was available in a lot of my drafts coming into that year or whatever his draft year. So he wasn't actually a guy who was taken a lot in in that final year. I just pulled him up. He had a very good yak year his second year, and then his uh, his declare year was like five point nine. So yeah. down. All right. Anyway, sorry, but it, I, I'm full confident that honestly, dude, like, do you think it's possible? I shouldn't say possible. I, I don't think it's insane to say that Malik Neighbors might end up having a better career than Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't want to drive that train, but like, if we see that in three years, I'm saying like one of them ends up the QB, like the wide receiver, like three, and the other one's like wide receiver five, like in rankings. I'm talking about like yeah. that. I, I could see Neighbors having a I think these guys are both studs. I think they're both like locked in very easy wins. Yeah. And both like kind of like different type players. There is a realm where I think like Malik neighbors is more versatile to fit in any scheme, go anywhere and be asked to do anything can get on the field a little bit earlier. Whereas like, I think Marvin Harrison, you're looking at him to throw him on the outside and be an X wide receiver. Like, not to say he can't do slot stuff. Like he had, he, he's done. He's had plenty of slots out of the, or plenty of snaps out of the slot as well. But there is a realm where I think Malik neighbors probably fits with an NFL team. Um, easier than than marvin harrison would fit so uh it's possible that like neighbors could be a more productive guy at least early in his career but i honestly like if i were if i were to choose one i think marvin harrison is the guy that i would i would definitely put my money on to be the higher ranked guy yeah same i i do think i'm just gonna say this too i think neighbors might work better between the 20s and then like i think mhj has the much better red zone skill set than mm. does i think he's got a better vertical and just better like Boxing out defenders, better hands, stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. both done. So both sucked. Yeah. Easy. A n- nice way to get those two out of the way early. You know, we'll definitely be getting into some more interesting prospects as we go. I'm sure a lot of you guys know about these guys, but we have to get the top guys out of the way so we can move on. Yes. Uh, you, wild cards going on right now. We know NFL fans that are losing. Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I know you guys are hitting the podcast. Like, all right, time to look the next year. Let's see who's yeah. coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, it's about that time of year. Everyone's like looking towards what's going to make them actually win. You know, how are we going to get the Cowboys to get to the actual playoff win for the first time forever? Fire um, G- Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And also, <laughs> do you know, dude, that the um, the star logo uh, for the Cowboys is not really like a logo. It's actually their rating. The one star rating. <laughs> oh, very. That was very good of you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, let's uh, let's get on to our uh, let's get on to our ranking show here. Let's just start off with. There's always one like out of nowhere running back each class. So I kind of wanted to ask Corey, what is the early, the early out of nowhere running back for the upcoming 2025 class? Who would you say it was for 2024? Probably Jonathan Brooks. I guess would have been that out of nowhere guy. For yes, draft class. yes. I was yeah. really hoping it would have been Devin Neal, but yeah, Jonathan Brooks would have been yeah. the winner of that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll make a pick here, but a guy you've probably heard us talk about a little bit, um, at least the last couple of weeks through towards the end of the season here, but Mr. DJ Ginn's over at Kansas State. 
Um, you know, I think he's got great size. He's like six foot one, two ten, I believe, or six foot two ten, somewhere in that area. Very great slasher runner. Um, you know, he entered the season. Everybody thought Trayshawn Ward transfer over from Florida State, I believe, was going to become the guy. All DJ Gins did was keep producing in that backup role and flashing. And then all you know, Ward loses a game here or there from injury, and DJ Gins blows up 200 yard games, 100 something yard games, receiving work, everything he does in those elements as well. Like to me, he profiles very similarly to like a Rashad White type back, you know, that slashing style running, very good in the receiving game as well. Like I think he's got a positive eight on as well. You see him being targeted like down the field, which is something I love to see. And I really think you need some of those extra facets to become a guy um, at the next level to separate yourself from, you know, Arby's are a dime a dozen. So, I mean, you really need something to separate yourself. The testing is maybe the one area I want to see. I think he's great in short areas. Like we see him hit the spin move. We see him, you know, two guys in a phone booth, but then, there's sometimes when he's on those breakaway runs that I feel like guys are starting to catch up to him. So I am, I wonder about the long speed a little bit, but overall I think he's a very good player and he might be one of these guys who just comes down north. a little bit of buzz now, but I think by this time next year, it's going to be, you know, sky high. I'm going to like look into his background a little bit more because mm-hmm. I've always wondered, like he's a walk-on. He walked on to Kansas state. Mm-hmm. I just never looked up like his 24 seven or like his career like high school stuff, but he walked on to Kansas. So this is kind of, this is kind of wild to me. I don't think it's amazing. Anyway, he has a complete skill set though. We talk about that a lot. We want, we honestly want the workhorse running backs, workhorse running backs that have like 60, not, not 60, excuse me, 90% like snap share. Like those don't exist anymore. Workhorses are like more like 60%, but we want a guy to be able to run, run block, also pass catches or sorry, catch passes. Uh, so I think DJ Giddens kind of hits up on all of those. I think that's a great answer too. And this also, guys, uh, Corey and I's pick last year was actually Devin Neal. Didn't declare for the draft, but he's we're still in. We are still in. <laughs> yeah. he, he still, we still you can use him again. Fire it back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not enough people are talking about. PFF posted like a hype tweet like a week and a half after he said he's going back, and I was like, "You guys are too late. You guys need to yeah. hype him up a month earlier." I do think like the CTC crowd and Debbie crowd definitely are like on him, but it's like when it comes to like the draft people, like there's nobody talks about him. And like, I was even listening to like a podcast with Dane Brugler, like earlier in the off season when it was still a, a possibility that he could, he could uh, declare. And the other guy in the pod asked him like, what do you think about Devin Neal? And he goes, he's fine. Like, you know, whatever he's fine. And that's like brushes it off and moves on to like the next guy. And I'm like, well, that's it. Like, that's like, so it's like, he gets like no attention. It seems like from like the national level. So I'm really hoping that like another year can do that. But another year at Kansas is kind of like a little bit, I don't know. Maybe we'll see a, a growth in from Jalen Daniels. If he can be a, a full-time starter there. Um, and maybe we'll see a nice, a nice year from Devin Neal here to, to give him that bump that we think he deserves. Uh, so my pick for this, I also I just want to co-sign. I think DJ Giddens is the guy, but that's Corey's guy first. But I'm gonna go with Jordan James here, Oregon running back, five foot ten, two hundred and five pounds. Originally mm-hmm. committed to Georgia, flips over to Oregon once they got Andrew Paul, I believe. Uh, Andrew Paul, who else was in that class with Andrew Paul? Branson Robinson. Branson Robinson, yeah. Yeah, so he was like the RB3. So I really like that he just said, no, it's gonna switch it up. So he's been efficient for two years in a row, averaging. 4.2 yards per carry as a true freshman. That's not very efficient. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And then <laughs> averaging 7.1 yards per carry this last year. On 108 attempts, he had 764 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's been efficient. And I'm trying to like look at like the inefficient games, like two yards per carry against Texas Tech on four carries, like fine. Yeah, like if you're US, if you're under like four five carries, like I don't even consider that like an efficient. It's all small you, sample size. Yeah, though. if yeah, you're getting like one carry in the first quarter, and then like two in the second quarter, and like one in like the second half, like that doesn't mean anything to me. 
And then the other one was USC was like his worst one. Like it's USC. We all know that defense is terrible. So like, yeah, the whole point of me saying it was, I would be worried if it was like a tougher defense. It was just consistently like, oh, he's bad. And now I have to go watch the tape and be like, all right, well, the O-line doesn't open up holes and he doesn't know what to do when there's no hole in front of him. So this is not the case. So I think he is a like a thumper, but like also has passing ability. Bucky Irving is gone, so the opportunity is here. The word of caution, though, is that when these running back tandems are together, these lightning and thunder duos, which is very common now, once the lightning or thunder leaves, the other guy just can't assume all the same skill set. So I'm excited to see the more expanded role that he's going to hold in this offense. But I'm also a little bit scared that he can't he can't rise up to the challenge. So as of right now, though, small sample size, has flashing can do it all, pass catching 15 receptions for 132 yards. I mean, it's a dink and dunk offense. But anyway, I, I like I like Jordan James coming up for next year. I, I really do. Yeah, I mean, and even if you look at some of the advanced uh, statistics, like he did, like he was better than Bucky Irving in, in some of these categories as well. He graded as one of the best running backs in the in uh, the Power Five as well from PFF, which I know we don't always like to hang our hat on that, but still, you know, they're seeing some of the things that we see, so that's always good to see. Um, and you know, he's going to walk in as the top guy head of or next year, which is really interesting to me because I think that you know he had a little bit of receiving work this year as well. He's and I thought he looked pretty pretty good doing it. So like I'm pretty excited to see where he could go in this offense. And I think he actually has a more complete skill set to me than Marquise Irving who well or at least a skill set that I could see being a lead back at the next level. Whereas like Marquise Irving I kind of picture as like that change of pace. So I'm pretty excited to see like where he heads this year being Oregon's top guy. I I, I wanted to give a shout out to one dark horse name. TJ Harden from UCLA. Oh, still riding that train. Let's go. Fire it back up. <laughs> Six foot two, two fifteen. I want to say he was like a three star, but anyway, as a true freshman, he averaged seven point four yards per carry, two touchdowns. It almost looked like he was going to be the leading back there until late in the portal cycle. Ball State Cube RB Carson Steele came over. They split the backfield pretty evenly all the way up until the bowl game where TJ Harden got the full run for 20 rushing attempts, 105 yards, and two touchdowns, and he looked great doing it. Also has a receiving profile with 19 receptions for 142 yards. So dark horse guy, I'm really worried about the athleticism here. Obviously, Zach Charbonnet hasn't really translated to the NFL, so I'm worried that they just like to create these power backs. Also, I'm super confident Carson Steele is not going to translate to the NFL. I'm, yeah. I'm not even, I don't think he gets drafted either. So – this could just uh, this could be a straight loss right away, but I'm just excited to watch him a little bit more. The receipt is there if you need it now. So, <laughs> yeah. otherwise, we'll just forget about this episode altogether. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, did you have anybody else that you might have forgotten? No, like DJ Giddens and Jordan James are both the guys that I listed here to talk about, and like I could go in and look a little bit more. But uh, for this class, I'm I'm liking those two guys as potential risers in this class. All right, let's. Head on over to some wire series. Let's talk about some guys that crept up our radar to watch for the 2025 class, next year's class. Did you want to start off on this one? You have a, quite a few more names than me. I actually really struggled thinking of names to put up here. Sure. There wasn't a ton, I guess. Um, but I, one guy that really stood out to me this past year, um, Stanford wide receiver Elika Yomanor. Um, you know, 6'2", 210 pounds, I believe he is, but has a great athletic profile around like a 10.7, 700-meter dash. And we saw him really blow up at times this year with, with Ashton Daniels. When Ashton Daniels was was healthy, the quarterback at Stanford. I mean, if you guys watched that Travis Hunter game, uh, if you or I mean, sorry, 
Colorado versus Travis Hunter at cornerback. You guys can go see that on Brandon Lejeune's uh, YouTube page as well. He's got a cut up there. And like, if you guys want to know who this guy is, like just watch him physically manhandle Travis Hunter this whole game. Like, and Travis Hunter is like in position. Like I can't say that Travis Hunter wasn't in position a lot of times, but like, he's just like catching the ball over him. He's ripping it out of his hands. He's just bullying this guy. And that was when I was first like, okay, this guy has got like, some NFL strength, play strength, in, uh, to me anyways. I still want to see some more development in terms of, like, other routes he's running. Like, to me, a lot of it was deep shots, comebacks, and uh, slants. And that was a lot of these. And that's why even I it made me say, you know, you could see some shades of, like, A.J. Brown there, the way he was, like, breaking away from tackles, the way he could, the raw play strength he played with, ripping the ball away from him. So, like, I like a lot of the things in the profile. Still looking up to see another jump next year, but at least a name that I don't think a lot of people are talking about that I think could see a big rise going into next year. Yeah, I like that a lot. I actually had a similar profile player. That's going to be Elijah Surratt, the mm-hmm. JMU transfer going to Indiana, following his coach, Kirk Signetti, over there to Indiana. Uh, Elijah Surratt started out his career at, oh, man, it's escaping me. It was a swag team. St. Francis? It's St. Francis. Started out with St. <laughs> Francis, was a uh, All-American as a true freshman. Something like 700 receiving yards, but like 10 touchdowns. You know, goes over to JMU translates beautifully has another 1000 yard season double did touchdowns again just absolutely producing and now he follows his head coach over to indiana and chris and just a winner i mean he's been winning everywhere he goes indiana is not like a program that you get really pumped about but they do actually have a lighter schedule in the power five not quite as light as like louisville had this year but it's on the lighter side so i'm excited for elijah Sarah here i He's six foot two, two ten. Same, he's the same profile as like any Omanor, and he plays mm. a little bit more of that. Like, like he's strong. Like I haven't seen him lose a block. Whenever time I turn on his film and I try to watch him play, they use his receivers to block a lot, and he wins his blocks. And on top of that, like he doesn't get bullied at the G five level. So I'll be excited to see a little more of the Power five level. Um, and then I'm just not super like positive on his athleticism level because it's again it's G five. He looks better than everybody else, but like better enough to compete at the next level at a higher level. So I'm keeping my eye on him, but he's, he shot up for me. Yeah. He's a guy that you pound into my head enough here that I definitely need to get a a stronger Lucas off season to form a a stronger opinion around, but yeah, jumping up to the, to the power five, you call that he was going to, that he was going to be looking for a jump up and that happened. So uh, yeah, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, Another guy here, I will just make this brief because we've talked about him quite a bit, but Georgia wide receiver Dylan Bell. Okay. This is a guy that I've talked about very versatile. This is a guy who, I've consistently mentioned like flashes. He's never had, like, if you go look at like the raw stat sheet, you're not going to be super impressed. Okay. But the flashes that he does have in a very well, in what was a very deep wide receiver core um, really caught my eyes, right? Physical sideline awareness. Um, he, he spotlighted as a rusher when they needed it as well. He's thrown a pass. He's, you know, on end around stuff like that. Like, and then even in this bowl game, we saw him be the leading wide receiver. And now you're talking about guys leaving Ladd McConkey's on his way out. Um, Rosemi Jack Saint is on his way out, which I mean, isn't that big of a loss, but then, you know, uh, Brock Bowers is on his way out. And we talked about it in a couple shows ago that, you know, they almost used him in kind of like the ways that they were using Brock Bowers. So that's kind of an interesting path for him as well. Who's a little bit of a thicker guy, six, one, 210 pounds. So he's, he's an interesting guy. And like, I still don't think he's going to light up the stat sheet. So if you're looking at him like at C2C and you're playing him and you're going to be like, Oh, I'm disappointed in this. I think you will be disappointed in the stats, but I think I see an NFL skill set there. So in Debbie terms, I think he's a guy that's going to be playing on Sundays. So I really like that from him. And then just another guy that I think has gotten too much flack for his season 
And then I just want to mention here quickly, that's okay, new tech. I why he was on here, bro. It's about to ask you like. Yeah, just because I think he's gotten a little bit too much flack for a season. But um, just, a qu- just a brief mention on Mr. Matthew Golden heading over from Houston to Texas. Uh, a lot of people aren't putting enough on that foot injury he had this year, thinking he was outproduced by everybody, thinking, you know, he can't even climb out of this room uh, at Houston and make a difference. Like he was battling a foot injury all year, missed a couple of games. Eventually it shut him down later in the season. Him going over to Texas, which in my opinion, he probably lines up as the wide receiver one here. I know they got Isaiah Bond coming over over here but like i really like matthew golden's versatility i really like everything that he does i think he could be a big riser in this class if he can stay healthy and hopefully he's cured off of that foot yeah i i was a little surprised to put him on the sheet because i was like he's never left my top 20 no like i think we've been in lockstep there but yeah he's i mean i even remember a little bit uh arguing in our debbie chat with some of the guys there that you know He's out produced by Sam Brown and he's not showing up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I don't think people are, are giving him enough uh, lenience for that injury. He We're talking about how bad that quarterback play was. Yeah. I, or I will say this play. though. They try to use him as a, like a deep threat this year. Like to start off the first three games did not mm-hmm. look good doing it either. Um, I think Isaiah, I think, I think Isaiah bond on that team is the only one that has like real speed, like real speed. So I think he takes over the worthy role. Yeah. Uh, and they'll have, golden operate in the shallow and intermediate area not that bond can't do that he can do that too but i'm just saying he's the only one that has the speed to to be a real field stretcher so yeah i'm pretty pumped about him this year too i you know just because it's a ranking show let me hit you with this question because i have a really hard time with this could you could you rank the following three players matthew golden isaiah bond and barry and brown okay so first i have mine pulled up i've got matthew golden 18 Varian Brown, 20, Isaiah, Isaiah Bond, 22. Okay. I got Golden, 18, Bond at 19, and Varian okay. at 20. Oh, look at that. We're actually pretty close there. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. I think he could be a big riser to Isaiah Bond. I mean, we're not mentioning him here because I think most people know about it. But I really think he'll be kind of in that Xavier Worthy role. And then I think Matthew Golden will kind of do a little bit of both the things that Jordan Winnington brought to this team. Plus, maybe they'll ask him to do a little bit of the, the, what Donnie Mitchell brought to this team as well. Plus, you'll get Jonte Cook mixed in. So I think it's a, I think it's a really nice refurbished uh, wide receiver core here. <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. I don't know who their premier like size guy is going to be, like the little backboard you want to throw up to. But I, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this room. Uh, I do want to also give one other honorable mention, though. I didn't write down as a riser but i'm just going to declare it here i think i put travis hunter as a wide receiver five for me oh yeah okay. i'm committed i think he's gonna be a wide receiver i think you talked about elec io manor that he just can't play against the physical style players yeah. he doesn't have the frame for it and so i don't like like let's let's assume his frame doesn't fill out i don't think it will at this point they didn't do it the first year or the second year so like he goes to the nfl draft like they, they can't make him a first rounder if he can't play against those style wide receivers. They're just going to make him a nickel, a nickel slot. Like this is such a waste of his, of his actual like raw talent. So I, I really do think he's going to make the full time switch to wide receiver. He could be a first rounder wide receiver. I believe. Folks, I think we lost Corey. I think he just got a heart attack. Give us one second. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry about that, but I'm back now. Um, but yeah, for Travis Hunter, um, that game against Ayominor was really the one I was like, I don't know if he can play defensive back at the next level, man. Watching him get bullied around like that. And I truly believe, like I've been saying it since that one, that I truly believe that wide receiver should be his future at the NFL. And we're seeing a lot of these skinnier guys succeed at the next level as well. Um, but how high do you have him in your rankings? 
Yeah, wide receiver five. I haven't moved that. Wide receiver five. Like that's so. So for me, I'm still. I guess I'm still baking in a little bit of um, worries. So, and that's with the cl- this class in there still, 2024 or out. Oh no, I I did it out for that one. Yeah, so he's okay. nine total with this class in here. So he would be like wide receiver. He's behind Harrison Neighbors or Doonesay and Worthy. Yeah. So for me, like I still have him at 19. So maybe I'm just a little bit worried about, you know, I, th- I think we see a lot of the, a lot of good things from him. I think he actually catches the ball really well. He tracks it really well. Um, he can move really well. But there, like we've said it before, there's a Kadarius Tony element there where I'm not sure if he's like a crisp route runner more than just a fluid mover after the catch and can create plays that way. But I, I do want to see more development from him in, that, in those areas, and that's hopefully something we can see going forward. But still a top 20 wide receiver asset for me with this class included. Yeah, so let's let's send on over to some quarterback talk here. Let's talk about the 2026 QB class. This is the quarterbacks going into their second year. Uh, I think we're locked in step on our top five QBs. I'm assuming you didn't adjust your grade on Malachi Nelson or Dante Moore yet. I don't know. but uh, I lowered them a little bit in my rankings for sure, but not Jurassic. I'm still lost on what exactly to do with them because like I don't think it's out of the question that they both rise again. It's just like, I don't know. It's obviously a depressing offseason for both of them. <laughs> okay, we're going to remove those two just for this question. And so we are yeah. not locked in step. I'm taking that no. back. But looking at these other top QBs in the 2026 class, look, it's rare to have like multiple first round QBs like outside of like two or three. Uh, I think this year we probably see three. Last year we saw, well, how many did we have last year? Two, three, three. We had three last year as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just want to say, we're trying to give out like five names here. I just want to know like who's going to be the flop, like who's not going to make the cut come NFL draft time. And we're going to talk about Nico Malieva, Tennessee quarterback, Jackson Arnold, the Oklahoma quarterback, Arch Manning from Texas, Lenora Sellers from South Carolina, and Aiden Childs just transferred to Michigan State. Yeah, and since this is like a ranking show, I will say like right now, after moving some of those other guys down, Nico is actually my number one in this class, which I'm not sure how I feel about right now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at it a little bit longer. But I just think that he, you know, he's he is set up for success where he is. I think um, compared to some of the other guys, maybe Jackson Arnold too. But we'll we'll see how where a lot of these guys go. Um, I think the one guy for me here, obviously, that stands out as a potential flop. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably say Lenora Sellers, but I thought he actually looked really good. <laughs> so I don't even want to say Lenora Sellers. I'm just like praying that he's going to be awesome. But it's Aiden Childs for me because I think like even when you looked at like some of his high school tape, like there was like a very loopy throwing motion there. There's a guy who relied on his legs a lot, um, suffered with some injuries as well. And then like, you know, I, I think that there's parts of his profile that ended up being a little bit overvalued um, because he was flashing a little bit there. Um, they loved him a lot there at Oregon State, too. He was going to be the next guy. You know, he follows it over here to Michigan State as well. But they're a team on the rebuild as well. There's not a lot of options there, um, receiving options for him. He still has a lot of work to do for himself, I think. And I'm just worried that he's going to end up becoming a better CFF asset than he will become a, a Debbie asset. Now, I'm not totally out of that. Like, you listed these top five guys because they are our next top five guys in this class outside of Dante Moore and, and Malachi Nelson. So like we, we definitely have hope for in Childs that if he can continue to develop and become the guy that we think he can, you know, maybe even down the line, be a Jane Daniels type down the line or something like that. But right now where he is, if that development doesn't happen, there's definitely some flaw potential there. I think. Yeah, I think you know that I can't really build off of that. I want to dude, I really wanted to say Arch Manning just to 
just to say it. <laughs> hard to bet against him though. It's just hard to bet against a Manning. It's just like you just feel like they're gonna like figure it out or something. He's gonna his, have his, the right yeah. connections and yeah. His profile, like we like the mechanics. It was there. We're just worried about game adjustment. And I did. I guess I lived underneath the rock because I had no idea he had like two drives against Texas Tech. But I watched those drives against Texas Tech, and like it was fine. He looked well adjusted, but it, like throwing wise and like play wise, like he didn't think he didn't do anything spectacular. Like he looked fine. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely worried about how he's going to deal with the pressure. That was something he didn't face a lot in high school. It's as well playing in his yeah. league and then when he did get into the playoffs like he got wrecked in the playoffs when he was facing better teams so that part kind of scares me so yeah there, oh, excuse me there's definitely some worry around his profile I, and i get that but i'm just not willing to doubt to, to bet against the manning at this point <laughs> yeah same here um i do want to say this too i don't know if Corey echoes his sentiment since it's a ranking a ranking show i won't have any qbs and i'm calling tier one going into the season among any wide receiver cl- or quarterback class i have no tier one quarterbacks oh like rank like you don't have anybody that you feel like is worthy of a of like tier one ranking is what you're saying yeah like, i would never call them like drake may or caleb Williams. like those guys we knew were gonna be stuck coming into the year like i don't like connor Wegg yeah. is my qb1 i don't really like feel super like i don't feel that confident of any quarterback i'm sure they'll like rise up and we'll figure it out like towards midseason but at the moment going into the class like i don't really want to touch anybody i'm just too scared unless i feel like it's a value yeah i actually 100 agree with that i do i don't have another guy that i feel as good about that i felt about caleb williams or even maybe even drake may at this point that i, I don't feel like i feel as good about any of those any of these guys left on our list like Connor Wegman will be up there. Carson Beck will be up there for me. Quinn Ewers will be up there. Yeah. Be the a, but like a lot of those guys. So we're just gonna have to see who kind of rises from the ashes here, and, and who can maybe even somebody that we're not expecting, like JJ, like uh, Jane Daniels did this year. Someone who's gonna rise from all the way near the bottom and become a guy that we we got to talk about again. So Will Howard's up there too. You kind of skipped over that. Thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Want to talk about some of our biggest fallers on the year? Um, I actually keep track of all my ranking movement for the year, and I cannot wait to delete all those columns after the show because that's what <laughs> this is all about. Um, <laughs> gotta start doing that too, to be honest. Without going without saying, every single year one zero, I they're gone, like they're not. Yeah, I, I think I keep Ennis and I think I keep the high end guys on the back of my rankings just so that people know that I know who they are and they don't click on my name and like this guy doesn't have Dicky ranks, he doesn't know who Dorian Dicky is, he's an idiot. They're there. I just put them in the back so you know that I know who they are and I don't care. Yeah. Where do you have Ennis ranked right now? One of my last three wide receivers. Let me pull him up. Really? That low? I still have him like have in like 30, high 30s. Wide receiver 70 out of 81. I'm actually going to move wow. right now. You hate him. He's at zero, and I don't even know if he's going to get Now with the Mecca going back, like I don't think he's going to really touch the field. Like, Yeah, he might need an injury to kind of. Kind of breakthrough and he was looking he was looking thick out there and i don't i didn't like that i didn't like how his movement looked and speaking of fallers he is the only guy that i slid into my top 10 at some point in time and he's mm-hmm. way out and that's the game you play with these true freshmen like you want these values and i just felt like he was such a locked in guy like i thought he was a good route runner going to ohio state like i wasn't trying to make it too hard thought he was a fine athlete um and he he looks bad. Uh, he came in at 190 pounds. I think he's listed at 210 on the website right now. 
So he's either bulked up or he's ate a lot of food. He looked like he, yeah, he looked like he was eating pretty good out there. And I know he's a gym rat too. I, I know he's a gym rat too. So um, his movements just don't look crisp. They just do not look good anymore. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Like I even started to write some year one zeros, and I was like, you know what? I think we just mentioned year one zeros as a whole because they've dropped like yes. crazy. Like they're just they're just way in the bottom of my rankings, but. Um, like where do I even have Jurion Dickies at wide receiver 68? So I mean, I, but I have I have 114 ranked, which is way too much. I gotta clean these up. <laughs> but they'll get yeah, they'll get cleaned up once once we take out the class. So I mean, yeah. Oh, I actually unranked Dickey. I'll put him back at the bottom. Sorry, putting him right behind Will Shepard. Yeah, he has the injury excuse. No, I doesn't fly for me. That doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been healthy for a little bit. Um. Anyway, going over some other bigger fallers here. I felt like it's pretty easy to name some running back fallers. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Raheem Sanders, uh, obviously, right? Uh, he was like RB one two. He's in my. I think I put him at RB one overall. So that was upsetting to have such a fall of grace. Put on for everyone yeah. to know, he put on like twenty pounds of weight. Arkansas's offensive line was terrible. His functional mobility looked bad. He struggled with injury. Before the season started, I don't even know if he ever looked healthy. And that's, like, going to be the excuse plus the weight. Uh, and then he finished the season also hurt. So he's going to South Carolina, which you're thinking to yourself, like, yeah, that's SEC. That's not bad. South Carolina rotates running backs. They don't have a number one guy. And that offensive line really is an upgrade over what Arkansas was working with. Yeah, since, like, Kevin Harris, I guess, was the last South Carolina running back to really get a heavy, heavy workload, I think. Yeah, that was an awesome yeah. year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a while ago. Yeah, but there, there is some of the injury, injury leniency that I do give him because, like, it seemed like he was trying something right that he couldn't. Like, I remember midway through the year, he went somewhere to get, like, I don't want to say stem cell treatment. We went to get some, like, special treatment on his knee to help whatever was going on to try to fix it. Then he came back, and I think he played, like, the last two games or last three games after going to do that treatment as well. So something there he was trying to get. Maybe it's too much weight. Maybe you're running with too much weight or whatever. But um, I know a lot of guys are pointing to the fact that it wasn't even – weight it was too, too much bulk because he was like if you looked at his like body fat percentage like the head coach was like there's like no fat there like he's just like rocked up so maybe he just like overtrained, over hit the weight room over whatever like he's much better i think at a at a little bit of a thinner weight you know get back to that 220 get back to that 225 so yeah he's definitely a guy that i think is definitely a faller unfortunately uh, I'll, I'll take an easy one right off the top here too going to the running back mr jaquin and jackson he's all the way down to my running back 61 <laughs> which is pretty low i guess um but I, he's getting another shot here going over to to Arkansas to potentially fill in for the Raheem Sanders role that he left behind. But he just didn't follow up that that late stretch that we saw in 2022 with anything really meaningful this year in 2023. I mean, he was being outperformed by like converted safety running back into a running back. He was being performed by his backfield mates. Um, and it just seemed like he had had a hard time. Like, I don't know if he was in his head about his vision. Maybe he's playing more naturally, just being an athlete before. And now that he was looked at as the main guy, maybe he just, the vision didn't come. The everything you were kind of hoping that the, from a development standpoint, what happened to him didn't seem to really click for him. So he'll get another shot here at Arkansas. So I still got him ranked possibly. Maybe it'll be another bounce back up, but for now, yeah, he's, he's somebody that I'm not really considering a WSO. I'm with you there. I moved him down to, I think RB like 46 for me. 46 yeah i i probably 61 almost feels too low but looking at my rankings i, put him, I put him like rb50 and feel okay about it i think i put him yeah. in front of parker jenkins from houston i don't even know what to think about that guy and then yeah. i put him in front of donovan edwards who also belongs on this biggest followers list i mean you have him that low way eh? that's that's crazy 
That's not I crazy. Like, I get about it. two weeks. I think I like rage just took him off the list for like two weeks. Like, put him back on because of the national championship game. And I was like, all right, well, I guess he'll be the lead back next year and we'll see how they use him then. Um, but yeah, I, I still think Dobbin Edwards has good athleticism and good hands. I think he's got like, you know, like the, the mental part of being a running back, terrible. And then, um, like, bad vision, doesn't have a real feel for the game, just likes to bounce stuff outside and just run around people. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just all the – I don't think he's a good – he's a terrible runner. He's a bad runner. He would hope to end up to be like Will Shepard, who I think would be comparable. Um, I have a trio of quarterbacks. I'm going to lump all together here. Okay. Me and Corey do project quite a bit. I think projecting is fine. I think projecting is actually, like, a necessity of the game. Um Devin Brown, he's not going to play for his, what, his third year now, I think we're going into. Yeah. We got little glimpses of him. I know we never got to have like a good, healthy sample size, so maybe it's a little disingenuous on the towel on him, but like I'm done with him. He's he's dropped quite a bit. Dante Moore, who came out, looked not great, and now he's sitting for a year. I moved him down as well, too. I think he's like in the QB 21, 22 for me range. Mm, okay. Um, so not quite a death sentence, but I really don't get to, I honestly don't care about quarterbacks after actually after them. They're like the last ones I care about around 22, 23. So, uh, Dante Moore's at 20 and then I have Malachi Nelson at 19 and Nelson gets a free pass. We just haven't seen him yet, except for he's a power five quarterback that's gone down to the G five level. And I really hate that. I hate any guy that downgrades. He just gets like, I guess, a one year, like not even a one year. He gets a pass for about the first four weeks of his season until I get to see him. And then I'll, I'll decide which way he goes. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And Devin Brown, it's weird because, I mean, they, they're constantly looking to, they were constantly in on like every transfer quarterback. They were in on Cam Ward. They were in on Will Howard. They ended up getting Will Howard. But it just seems like they weren't ready for him to be the guy. They never really even gave him a fair chance last year. I felt like, like in that battle with Kyle McCord, it just seemed like they were set on Kyle McCord and that was it. Maybe he just knew the system better. Maybe they didn't like Devin Brown's tendency to run around a little bit. Maybe they want to operate from the pocket a little bit more. Either way, this seems like a guy who I think could jump up back the rankings if he goes somewhere else and kind of shows something. But the longer he stays stuck here at, at Ohio state, the more he's going to keep dropping. And for the other two guys, Dante Moore, and Malcolm Nelson, for comparison purposes, I have Dante Moore at, quarterback 15 maybe a little bit too high still and malachi nelson at 18 and like you said it's because of the big drop to to the g5 like i don't love that and like i do think he's gonna look good i think he's gonna look great at boise state but then like how am i gonna weigh that against the competition level that he's gonna be playing against at least you know dante mori goes to oregon he gets to kind of clean up some things maybe sitting for a year i still think it was promising that he got a starting opportunity in year one as a true freshman. We don't even see that anymore, really, especially in this new era of transfer portal. So I give that as a plus to him. And I do give, you know, the profile of plus two is one that we really liked very well experienced quarterback, a guy that might fit more of like the game manager mold, but still a guy that we think could do a lot of things. Right. And I still, I think, Learning a year here at Oregon in this offense, Dylan Gabriel is going to be the guy. Maybe he gets injured or something and Dante Moore can come in, but I'm still a little bit more, more optimistic about Dante Moore. But, uh, but yeah, I understand dropping those three guys. Um, I have one quarterback here that I didn't drop a whole ton, but I just, I had to mention him because my confidence and level in him is dropping like crazy. And that's Drew Aller at, at Penn state. He is quarterback 11 for me right now. And this was a guy who was a top three quarterback for me. So yeah, that doesn't seem like that big of a fall, but coming from a top three quarterback where I was considering him, you know, in the Caleb Williams, Drake may drew Aller type 
type spectrum. Like he was going to, if he could have a big year this year, he was going to lock himself into that. Maybe be that one guy that we felt really good about. And he did the exact opposite. I mean, he had a pretty poor year. He was passing like what, under 150 yards in some games, under 200 yards in some games. Like they essentially tried to rely on the run game. The run game wasn't even working that well. He just did not click at all in his first year. I'm still hoping for another year of development here, hoping they can get some other weapons around him. So maybe he can excel that way as well. Um, so I'm not totally out on him, but my confidence level is definitely fading on him. I, I moved him down from four to 11. Where'd you say you put him down to? 11. So we're at the same spot. Yeah. I was at three and I'm down to 11. Yeah. Get out of my head. You know, he, only threw, he only threw two picks though. You didn't like that? Yeah. I mean, it, he, but he didn't like push the ball at all either though. Like it was, it was so, it was just, it was too safe. It was like he was in his head about being safe and just letting like the rest of the team get the job done for him. And maybe I just feel like we need to see a little bit more from him still. I thought we saw better flashes as a true freshman than we did his entire sophomore year. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Like terrible to say out loud. That feels terrible. Yeah. Um, why receivers for me? I, I didn't write any on this list. I thought you had a really good one though. Uh, but like Kevin Coleman, I saw that I peaked around like upper 20s for him. Kevin Coleman is like wide receiver 15 in his draft class. Went to Jackson State with uh Dion, transfers over to Louisville to play with Jeff Brom. Love Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom receivers do get drafted. Like his wide receiver one is always a stud. Um, and I knew Kevin Coleman has speed in his game, but like watching like his tape when it was Jackson State, like nothing was really that good. Um, so I kind of put him up. I think I graded him a little bit favorably because of the system originally. Um, and then and like early season, I quickly dropped him down. But he's all the way when he went from 26 to 64. Like his peak was 26. And I feel a little embarrassed about having him that high. But <laughs> yeah, to begin with. Um. Yeah. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I think he peaked at like wide receiver 50 for me or 40 or something. Because, yeah, I didn't really think that he did anything at Jackson State to like grab my attention. And then obviously he just didn't really follow it up. So the one guy wide receiver that I'm going to go with on my list is Mr. Malik Benson, um, who was probably like all in our top 25, I would say, a wide receiver. Um, we were really excited about him coming over from Juco. We thought, you know, he had a chance to even be the wide receiver or at least in the top three wide receivers for Alabama and show some stuff with that speed that he had. Um, but I guess this all kind of even started like in the spring game when we didn't even see him getting onto the field in like to like the fourth quarter, but then that fourth quarter, he caught like four passes in a row and finished it off with a touchdown. So I was like, okay, maybe they finally realized there's something here, but he just didn't get on the field at all very much for Alabama this year. I know Alabama also, you know, converted to more of a run heavy game, especially with Jalen Miller at quarterback. Um, but I just don't think, you know, he translated as well as a lot of us would have hoped. The speed is still there. There's still a lot of things to like. He's going over to Florida state now. So there's a chance he can still rebound here with DJ U slinging him the ball, I guess. That's, that's how the, this is lining up to be. So he's in my wide receiver 47. And so there's still a chance here, I think for him to climb back up, but for now I'm dropping him and uh, seeing what happens going forward. I wanted to add one name real quick just to talk about it. Jaden Greyhouse, the wide receiver for Notre Dame. I thought about him. I thought about him. Yeah. yeah. I, so he was a tier two guy for us coming in as a freshman um, on the recruiting team, but also here on the Debbie team too. I think we liked him as well. Really refined guy. The biggest question was his athleticism. Uh, we mentioned in the Navy game where he cooked the guy off the line, was wide open, scored a touchdown, but that Navy corner really caught up to him very fast, and that worried us. And then he had another long pass. I can't remember what game it was, but the separation from the DB and him did not close nearly as fast. So maybe that Navy corner was just a freak athlete, but 
athleticism is a worry for me and i would be not moving him down that much but there's another true freshman walk-on called jordan fazan who's out producing him the last six weeks of the season they both play in the same like position too i think they're just being rotated fairly at the moment um but Jaden greathouse losing to a walk-on as far as production goes combined with my worry for his athleticism i think he's a very clear sell this offseason i moved him from lost him i moved him from wide receiver 22 preseason to wide receiver 33 right now yeah i guess there is some parts of of great house's profile that like a lot of things need to go the right way for him to excel at the next level right he needs to be like super refined he needs to be super technical because i don't think he has like the crazy athleticism just to succeed at the next level you're almost hoping for like a keenan allen type trajectory i guess to get to the next level but yeah i mean and then, like, Riley Leonard coming in to be the quarterback now. They haven't really had, like, a really strong Not, passing attack. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, am, I am pretty worried about where, where he's headed. Might be might be the David Bell trajectory. Who's been getting some catches the last two games? That was kind of he wild. has, yeah. He actually has, yeah. Um, I will just say, just last name before we move on here, I wanted to give a shout-out to you because you were low on him to begin with. But Ruben Owens has fallen all the way down to my running back 28. Uh in the in the offseason and probably going to keep falling lower to be honest but we'll we'll see exactly where he heads but he just didn't look great as a rusher um to start the year to bring in ej smith now i don't know if ej smith is if they're lining up to, for him to be the, the top guy or whatever but almost two similar skill sets kind of it's just kind of kind of weird and but nobody really stood out in this backfield going um last year and going forward i'm not sure who's going to be the guy to come up ahead i'm still ranking him pretty positively but i'm at least seeding to you at least for for year one that i think you were right to be a little bit lower on him thank you you're we're almost synced up i got him all the way down at 52 yeah <laughs> close we're close <laughs> <laughs> actually that's disrespectful i put him behind Donovan edwards let me put him up there in front of him he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't done as bad as Donovan has all right let's guys let's head on over to some brighter stuff so let's talk about some rise oh wait let's talk about some risers guys <laughs> Um, one guy that I stole from Corey, so I'm just gonna introduce him as both of our guys, but this was really Corey wrote him down first. Gavin Salchuk, running back from Oklahoma. That was a good pick, Corey, because we talked a little bit about him last week how we need to watch tape on him, but I did move him up in my rankings just like a I think I have him in my or I have him in my mid-20s, low 30s. Yeah, but like, but that's the spot of like fringe running backs, and I pay the most attention to like my twenties to thirties because I wanna like know which direction they're heading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but talk about Gavin. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I was actually super impressed with the way he kind of ended the season. He got stronger as the season went on. I think you had a stat too, that he was what over a hundred yards in like five of the last six games, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. But he just really grew as a rusher as well. That was one thing I thought I saw early in the season that I wasn't too blown away with his, it, his ability to make a guy miss his ability to break a tackle, to break, you know, um, play strength wise. Like I thought I saw a lot of that kind of increase a little bit as the year went on. They kind of relied on him to be the top guy showed a little bit of receiving work as well. Um, and the most important part is he up that weight. I think he's listed at like what? 190 something now when he came in at 185, which was one of the main reasons we were a little bit low on him, but yeah. he, to his credit, he's adding that weight. He's looking pretty good. And it looks like he's going to be the starter for, for a, a good Oklahoma team going forward. Yeah. So he's had five games in a row of over a hundred yards rushing. Uh, yeah. while also being efficient with 6.2 yards per carry. Um, not during that span. That's just the entire year. I think he actually had a much better yards per carry during the conference game span. 
Uh, but no, yeah, he's put on the weight. He's 5'11", 198 right now. He did come in at 180, so I like that. Uh, from a stat perspective, because I really haven't turned on the tape yet, but from a stat perspective, like clearly didn't lose the athleticism. Like you don't put yeah. up that production while adding weight like that. His two best games, like from like a yards per like uh, sorry yards after contact, like West Virginia four point seven about BYU four point seven again. So uh, there's just some things in here. I, I just I just he deserves a closer look. We wrote him off right away for his size, and there's a lot of like. Not traditional size running backs in NFL right now doing very well. Kyron Williams, James Cook, uh, Devin Ochin is used kind of like in spurts, but um, there's others too as well. But anyway, Devin Singletary, who's been underrated his entire career, especially by me, that's for sure. I, I mean, who wants to buy Devin Singletary in Dynasty? But like, you have him on your roster. You haven't been upset the last couple of years. No, so, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I think maybe he might be falling into one of those categories. So we'll have to get a deeper look into him. Yeah, definitely. Um, heading over to two other risers for me. I'm going to lump these guys together because I think you're going to talk about a freshman uh, coming up here. But two freshman wide receivers for me that have rose in throughout the year. Um, Georgia Tech wide receiver Eric Singleton Jr. He's up to my wide receiver 28. And Eugene Wilson, he's up to my wide receiver 20. And I think both these guys really showed up. Both kind of different skill sets. Like Eric Singleton, very vertical guy. Um, got some great track times, great speed to him. And he really flashed some actually some strong hands. Like if you go back and watch like even the Georgia game versus that defense, he's catching balls over over top of DBs and reaching up for an extension and making these these fantastic grabs near the sideline. Um, so he's a guy I'm looking to develop more of that like intermediate and short game from him. But like from a lot of what I've seen already, very intrigued by what he brings. And then Eugene Wilson uh, up to my wide receiver 20. I think he was, he's kind of like in my, in my evaluation, like the Barry and Brown of this class, kind of like very athletic used in like a very low dot role in his first year. Um, and really excelled in that role and, you know, broke a lot of plays, a really good yak threat as well. But the main question with him for me will be like Barry and Brown, where can he develop further on? And I think, you know, we're going to talk about Barry and Brown a little bit later, but, you know, he was kind of hit and miss this year, kind of when they put more more on his plate to become more of a wide receiver. That'll kind of be the thing with Eugene Wilson. I want to see, can he become more of this guy um, that's a little bit used more intermediate and deep routes, or is he going to be, you know, more like a Rondale Moore, more like a gadgety type guy, more used around the line of scrimmage. So that'll be something to watch with him, but I was very impressed by what I watched. So top 20 wide receiver for him. I have him very high. I'm also a very big fan. Yeah, he looked wire great. Receiver, wire receiver twelve for me. Wide receiver four oh, wow. in class, three in his class. So wide receiver three in his class. I think he might turn into a Mecca Abuka. That would okay. Be I like that. Kind of yeah, that would be that would be the hope, right? I I guess I I guess I'm being a little bit more like weighing the downside as well if he doesn't fully develop that way. But yeah, I could definitely see that in his like future range range of outcomes. Yeah, I'm all about him. I love him. Uh, and I didn't love him as a recruit. He was wide receiver 12 in his class coming in for me. I remember that. Actually, let me put up, pull up his historic. I didn't have him ranked. I didn't have him ranked until the season started. Yeah. See, and that's, so, a, that's why I, I, I think you fit well here. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot. I don't like Eric Singleton, though, bro. I was considering him, and I definitely didn't have him ranked until midseason, but he really fell off down the stretch, and I'm like, I thought defense is kind of figured out. He's a one-trick pony, and they figured out how to stop the one trick. He is a little bit of a one-trick pony right now, but uh, you know, you got good hands, and you've got that one trick that works at times. I just, and also, we're talking about Haynes King playing a quarterback at George Tech. Like he's not 
like the best quarterback for that for, was exciting at times. You guys be pooping. He was exciting. He was exciting, but not for like throwing the deep ball. Okay, I mean, I, they had Jeff Sims. That I think I'd rather Haynes King throwing than Jeff Sims. You know, oh, I, probably. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, two freshman wide receivers I added were Casey Concepcion and Jace Brown from Kansas State. Now I'm gonna talk about Casey Concepcion. Sorry, Kevin Concepcion, Casey, but Kevin Concepcion from NC State. Uh, it took me a while to come around. I just actually watched his film today on my to-do list. Uh, I moved him up to, I think, about wide receiver. I'm scrolling. Okay, I guess not high enough. And I got to do control F. But anyway, um, 26. I, I think he's the next Puka Nakua. Now, I think Puka has, like, the love form, the NFL level has gone a little bit overblown. because I think he's very obviously a scheme player. And he's a good player. Like, he's... And my profile for him is that he's like got extremely good like spatial awareness as a yak threat and as a receiver, and he's got some pretty good athleticism with the ball in his hands, and that's what I think he's shown on NFL level. Like footwork's not his thing. Like he's not like a I'm gonna manipulate a guy and like make a miss type of thing. Like I don't think that's him. He's just like an ultra athlete, but like he gets upfield fast and just understands angles. He's a really high IQ player with a like sixth sense feel. And that's how I feel about KC Concepcion. I don't like his footwork. I don't think he's a route runner. I don't really think he's anything special either as far as like athletic testing goes. He, like, he's a good athlete. I don't think, but I just don't think he's a special athlete the way like Singleton is. Singleton is a very fast guy. Like I don't think Concepcion is that special in that compartment. But he's very obviously a product of a system, manufactured system, but he's doing it so well at such a young level. I think that can also happen in the NFL level as well too. Um, also, I still think Puka is a wide receiver one the NFL level. Like for Dynasty, I'm not saying go sell Puka. Like he is what he is. You know what he is. I'm just saying, like Sean McVay leaves, and maybe I'm a little concerned. But anyway, Kevin Conception, he's wide receiver 26 for me. And then there's Jace Brown, right? The freshman receiver from Kansas State. I have talked about him quite a bit here down the stretch, so I'll spend mm-hmm. less time. Yeah, I think he actually has some good footwork. He doesn't always showcase it, but I've seen like flashes of really good footwork. He's 5'11", 174. He's a three-star receiver. He played both ways uh, at Florida, not playing high-end competition. But like, there's no one else here for Kansas, and we are worried about Avery Johnson coming under center here. So it's going to be a like high market share for a very small pie of, of passing volume. But in this uh, bowl game, he was 5 for 52-1. and one like in a weathery condition game. I think I think that's what I'm going to be expecting probably on a weekly basis, like five for like 65 or 70 and that touchdown here and there probably by next year. And if he does that, that makes him a probably a little shy of 800 yard receiver as a second year player. Like that's really good. This is a power five freshman that's like the wire through one for his offense. So and I don't expect that to change. There's not a lot of like talent on this roster. I still like Keegan Johnson, Keegan Johnson, who kind of has a, yeah, gadget skill set, but can't stay healthy. But like outside of those two, there's no way anyone's threatening Chase Brown as a wide receiver one in this class. Or sorry, in this uh team. Yeah, and we kind of talked about the fact that we like we like his ability to get open. He seemed to get open a lot. Maybe his hands are the one thing we want to see kind of improve a little bit, but he does he definitely does a good job getting open. So I like that call from you. 
I'm going to head over to a riser for me at the quarterback position. I don't think that you have this guy as a riser, but he's been a riser for a lot of people. Uh, actually, I'm going to go with two names here, but Shader Sanders over at Colorado. I was extremely low on this guy coming in, was not really impressed with what I saw at, at, uh, at Jackson State. Came over here, wasn't expecting a ton, but I think it's fair to say that he... He blew away my expectations a little bit from the way he was throwing with touch, the way he was throwing with anticipation. I still think the pocket mobility needs work. I think how he deals with pressure needs work, and those are very key things to become an NFL quarterback. But still, he he impressed me in a lot of ways that I thought he did. His arm was much more impressive than I thought. I thought I saw a lot of ducks when he was at Jacksonville. I thought he, you know, wind-up was a little bit long. But, like, here it actually seemed to work, and he actually threw some really nice passes. So I'm eager to see how his development can go. He's got a lot of hype around him as well um, from draft people, from everybody. So he's sitting at my quarterback 25 right now, and that might seem a little bit high, um, but I, I, I'm very interested to see where, where he can go from here. I'm not ready to write him off just yet. And before you comment on him, I will just say another guy that's part of one of your article series that you've been putting out, Adam to the Q. I've added him to my rankings lately, so this isn't as much of a riser, but Josh Hoover over at TCU, I actually spent some time looking at his tape a little bit uh, over the past week. And I actually thought he did some nice things. Like he, he didn't push the ball downfield as much as I would have liked to see, but he had a quick release on him, kind of a snappy quick release, was not afraid to hit those tight hole shots, was hitting, was, you know, rifling it in between two defenders sometimes. Um, I like that ability in him that he's not he's not playing it safe all the time. I will still like to see him push the ball down the field a little bit more, but he can move around a little bit. He's got, he's got that 6'1", 200-pound frame, so not the greatest size, but still, he's he's up at my quarterback 35 right now, so just a guy that I'm kind of watching going forward. So those are my two quarterback risers. Yeah, I like that a lot, and I appreciate you looking at my article series. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think he's a gunslinger. I, I kind of like viewing his yeah. career arc, not like exact comparison, but his career arc kind of similar to Jackson Dart. I think Jackson mm-hmm. Dart was kind of very loose with it, and uh, hopefully he can tighten it up and fix up some of his mistakes as years go along. But like, yeah, I, I'm a big Josh. I don't know about how big I am a Josh Hoover fan, though. Yeah, and I will be watching his career here. Do you have him um, ranked? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I. <laughs> I put him in front of Devin Brown and then like in front of Cam Ward, who I just don't know what to think about. And Tyler Van Dyke, obviously I don't think he's just on the decline. And then I don't care about like Bo Nix or Lincoln or Riley Leonard. So there's those two. How about Mr. Shadur? Did he do anything this year to kind of raise for you? I thought, I thought the breakdown we gave of him coming out of spring was very accurate. So yeah, he Mm -hmm. did. He's right now currently 23. Look um, at that. There we go. And he's, Started out at 46. It looks like yeah. 46 around his spring game for me. And I put him at the 31 right after that. Yeah. He was um, low. Yeah. I don't think he's a guy that I think will ever be pumping up as an actual NFL asset outside of a backup role. Um, so low ceiling guy for me. And I'm more, I'm, just, I'm more like curious about Josh Hoover's production or development than I am. Like where he could go at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Shadur is bad. I just don't really see much of a ceiling, and I don't also see a path of development for him where Hoover just started playing. So a little bit more of a mystery. Yeah. Does that wrap? Oh, one more for me. Running back, Jadon Blue. Jadon Blue, who I left for dead, um, has kind of the biggest riser for you. That's a big. It's a big riser for me. Yeah, I do. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Let me pull his name up because I I actually took him off my ranking sheet at one point in time. Entered the season at 49, dropped him all the way to 75, left him off the sheet, put him back on at 40. Wow. So that's right not, it's not super high, but it's a it's a decent ranking for him. I think he's probably right around that area for me, somewhere in my 40, 50s. Yeah, he's in the 
Bucky Irving, Chase McClellan, Dylan Johnson range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he's, I think he could be, I always thought that he could be a change of pace back. Uh, the lack of just anything until, until Brooks got hurt, made me think that, that he was just bad overall. But now I, I think he, he's done some good things. He's back on the list for me. Yeah. Worthy of at least a guy to keep an eye on. And he could be part of a nice young backfield for Texas next year. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you, London Humphreys, are you like a champion for him? He was he was for a little bit twenty four seven sports top wide receiver in the portal for a while. Yeah, actually. like I, I wrote him in my new in names that I had added this year. Like not necessarily a big riser, but someone I just added into my ranking. He's he's at wide receiver forty eight for me, so it's not like I'm super high. But again, kind of a guy similar to Eric Singleton, where they're both one trick ponies. Like London is a a long speed guy like he's 6'3 um has like track times in like the 11 or 10.7 range for like the 100 meter uh 21 range or 22 range for the 200 meter so like and, and he did win down the field i think like he was um one of the leaders in sec for downfield production this year um so now he's transferring over to georgia and i'm a little bit worried about how that is all going to work out but he does bring a skill set that i feel like they're missing kind of like they don't really have that like deep vertical threat um like maybe they thought arian smith could be but he can't even stay healthy but they don't really have that like deep deep threat so maybe they they targeted that role and maybe they're targeting london humphreys to be that role only a true freshman last year going into a second season this year there could be a lot of room for development there just kind of biting on a size speed guy a little bit not not nothing i think you guys should overreach for but just a guy that i've added to the rankings at least i actually don't think i have him ranked i think i should though i should but i don't have him ranked um heading over though to our last little section here um, after working through your rankings, I wanted to ask who'd you struggle the most? Like who was the hardest player for you to place? Uh, well, I got, I, we both got three guys here, but my first guy was Donovan Edwards. We've talked about him a little bit. Um, he's just been hard because it's like, we believe that the upside is there, but we know he's like crazy Ron. How much can we put into that? You know, three years down the line where there hasn't really been a lot of development, but then he like flashes in this, in this bowl game, which wasn't even the, like there was some bad vision in that game and he used his speed and excelled to the outside and, and broke off a lot of plays. Uh, I still think there's got to be a lot of development there from a vision standpoint. Still think there's got to be a lot of development there from, from a physical standpoint as well. He's only like two Oh five. So I'd like to see a little bit more added to his frame, but I mean, man, like he could be lined up as the running back one for Michigan. He could see a nice year lot next year. He could be somebody who rises and becomes a guy, you know, being talked about in that day two conversations. So it's like, I found him very hard to rank. So right now I have him much higher than you do after hearing where you put him uh, throughout this episode, but he's at, he's at my running back 28 right now. So he's still fairly, fairly decently ranked for me. So I'm, I, I guess I'm still optimistic. He can turn it around, but a far cry from like the top 15 ranking he used to have. I don't know what to do with jam Miller, Alabama Nothing. running back. Get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> like looks okay. When he gets the ball, the issue is that we still haven't seen him really get the ball. So I don't I don't know, and I'm not hearing any reports behind the scenes. I don't know if I don't know if he's a knucklehead, or I don't know if injuries are playing that much of a role into his career, or he really is just waiting his turn the way Alabama makes players do. If I'll tell you what though, I'll know exactly where I want this player to be in my rankings after the first four weeks of the 2024 season because you know it cleared out a little bit. You got Chase going to the draft, you got Roydell Williams in the transfer portal, so it's. Who is it's Haynes and Jan Miller right now? One and two, probably, or projecting to be. So, so we'll we'll find out. I'll find out there right after that one. Uh, I do have him right now at RB thirty three. 
Um, I think that's a fair one right behind Gavin Sawchuk. Uh, yeah, that's high, man. That's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of faith in a guy that hasn't done much. I have him in front of LeQuint Allen. No, it's not high, but to have him by like Gavin Sawchuk, whose like trajectory is like up, whereas like his trick Jam Miller is like going down. I feel like. I need to watch Gavin though. Like, I think Gavin's gonna go a little bit higher for me, like in about yeah. a week or two, whenever I remember to watch him. Okay, but like, like these are the names that are behind him, like LaQuint Allen, Phil Maffa, um, a couple I guys in the NFL draft. I prefer both. Jadon Blue, you prefer Jadon Blue? Uh, uh, there you're getting some question marks, but at least okay. there's probably a change of pace path for him. Whereas like Jam Miller, I don't know what his path is right now. No, I think yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what path he's on. I just he's staying in the middle of the field. Yeah, so that's why he's so hard so, for me to read a rank. Um, no, that's, a, wanna, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go over to a quarterback here. I think one quarterback. I think Miller Moss. I actually like surveyed uh, the Debbie Slack between Miller Moss, Garrett Nussmeyer, and I can't remember. Oh, Jackson Bart. Um, which helped fix me a little bit because I don't know why I lumped him in with those guys. Like I was kind of like, that's a little stupid. Let's go a little bit more proven yeah. than Miller Moss is. Uh, I got Miller Moss at QB 21 right now. Wow. I liked some of the things I saw in the bowl game, and I don't think I could ignore that this is a Lincoln Riley QB. But at the same time, I thought his stats were very inflated. Like there was like one of the touchdowns I think was – him rolling right and then just everyone ran crossers, you know, like they just eliminated reading half the field for him, made it very easy for him to adjust to that. Like a random 50 50 ball to Todd Washington, who's about five foot 10, 170. Like, why would you throw that to him? Yeah. Uh, so, like, there was, there's definitely a lot of things he got away with. It was a, de- it was a very depleted, I think, did they play Louisville? I think it was a very depleted secondary that was like Louisville's secondary who had a cake schedule the whole year anyway. So they're probably a little bit, they're also a little bit overrated themselves. Um, but I don't know what to do with him, but like, besides the fact that he's a starting quarterback for Lincoln Riley and he didn't look terrible. He didn't look bad. He didn't look bad. Yeah. He's going to get his shot to at least be a guy that we can, we can get a better valuation on next year and, and, and see, cause I, I've, I've seen mixed reviews from him the stuff that I watched. Like I thought he, I thought he dealt pretty well from the pocket, but it's like, I don't know some mechanical things there. Like there was a couple back foot throws. There was a couple like not stepping into throws. Like there was a couple things that like I don't know. Maybe as the season goes on, might affect him a little bit. Less. So I'm I'm eager to see where he kind of goes. I don't actually have him ranked. So he's reminding me that I should throw him in summer. But I can't imagine he's much higher than like 30s, 40s for me. Like I think I'd rather have Josh Hoover over over Miller Moss right now. Yeah, I got me. Hoover behind him. I got I got Stone behind him. I have Shadur behind him because I, I, you know, I yeah. Know, see, like, Miller Moss be behind high. all those guys for me. Upside <laughs> for Sanders for me. Walker Howard, like I still have him ranked up here. Yeah, that that's a tough one too. Yeah, that's another tough one because we're now we're waiting another year to even figure out if he's usable again. And then I have, uh, and it's a transfer portal era. So like, do you even really want to wait anyway? And then I have um, Sam Levitt and Jaden Rashada next to each other because I'm waiting to see who wins. Which one wins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll go on to my guy here. Actually, you know what? I'll I'll briefly talk about this guy. We've already talked about Raheem Sanders, who I've had the most trouble ranking um, because just the way he's gone from like running back one. What the hell do I do with this guy now? I think I don't have my rankings pulled up anymore, uh, but I think he's somewhere in like the running back late 20s for me right now. So I'm still giving him a chance to hop back up and be a guy that get, that we saw in year two, that we saw that all come together for him and really be like this dynamic force, catching the ball, rushing the ball at the, at the size he was, the explosiveness that he had. It just disappeared this year. So it's like, I don't know. It's hard to rank him given like 
given the entire pro, um, given the entire picture that we see of him from like where he was to where he ended up now. So I want to give him some leniency for last year. So I'm eager to see where that goes. And another guy that I have tr- a hard time ranking before you get into your last wide receiver here, my wide receiver is Tyler Brown for Clemson wide receiver, uh, the true freshman this year came in. And I understand that there's like some upside there for him, for a guy who flashed a little bit this year, but it's like, it kind of coincided with Antonio Williams being out Clemson has seen these guys flash before. Um, then he kind of faded at times of the season two and disappeared. And it's like, I just don't know how much faith I'm willing to put into him to be a guy that I expect to be like, you know, a strong part of this wide receiver core going forward. Um, so, so I've I had trouble ranking him a little bit. I think I have him in like wide receiver 30 or 20 range, something like that, like late, late twenties, early thirties. Um, but he, he's a hard one. Every time I look at him, like, I'm not exactly sure where to place him. I see. I can't wait to talk about him for the Debbie guy, by the way. Yeah. My guy? No. Speaking of my guy, dude, I erased (laughs) Austin's little my guy tag on Eugene Wilson. (laughs) Like, I was like, dude, he's probably going to be a tier two, tier three guy. Like, you're not going to my guy him if we all. (laughs) So, uh, Austin, that's just a notice for you that I erased your my guy off him. Like, I like him too. So, I mean, chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, it's not even like that deep. Anyway, uh, I think that's a fair thing to say too. Clemson has an offense, has a program too. I don't do. I don't. Should Dabo just go like before he just? Yeah, he kind of seems like legacy. The, it seems like the where the current state of the NCA is is kind of passing him by a little bit. Like he's still he going adjust. for. Yeah, he's still going for like these big, tall wide receivers that worked in the past and working possession wise and thinking like, hey, you can just throw it up to these guys and whatever. Like, no, you you got to get some kind of dynamic offense in there. You got to get more dynamic players like Antonio Williams was a breath of fresh, a fresh air. Tyler Brown was at different points as well. You should be seeing that and kind of changing the archetype that you need and, and letting your offensive coordinator actually run the team a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not even that he can't adjust. It's he like actively chooses to not adjust. He just doesn't yeah. want to adapt. He's that's just that's some old man stuff right there. And he just adapts. Okay. Yeah. Um, my last wide receiver here we talked a little bit earlier was Barry and Brown. Uh, like he has to be a stock down. This was a bad year for him. It was a bad year for Kentucky offense, passing offense altogether. Mm-hmm. Entered the season at four for me. I've dropped him to sixteen, to 16 end of season, and then this off season I put him at twenty. Um, I still think he's an uber athlete. I still think he's a special teamer, worst case, like absolute worst case scenario. Um, but I think he can be a very elite manufactured touch wide receiver at the next level, or even in college. Uh, they just wanted him to be used. I, I just I thought he was very misused. This this is. Which is fine as an evaluator. See what he's not good at, but I, I thought he was very misused this year. I had a tough time ranking him because I want to put him higher because the upside, and I definitely think it was a misuse situation rather than the actual player's skill set. And then at the same time, it was like maybe he really is just super, super, super raw. So I don't know. I put him at twenty, but I still think the upside could be in the top four or five of this class. Yeah, like we're still there. Similarly, I have him at 20. And, you know, I don't even know if it was misuse as much as you get a guy, you get him early, easy touches in his freshman year. And then year two, you're hoping to put more on his plate to become something more. You want to see if this guy can become more. So is it misuse or is it trying to develop the guy further? 
Like, you know, they used him a lot more downfield. The ADOT was a lot higher. They use him kind of like as a deep threat a lot of the time. And he did excel at times. He does have the speed and he does um, have the ability to win like that. But it was kind of inconsistent. You know, he definitely thrived more in the manufacturer touch role, which just goes to show that he is pretty raw. What I'm hoping in year three is that it's all going to come together now. Now you mix in some of the manufactured stuff, which like they didn't do enough of last year. So that's a part that I will say misuse of. It's like, fine, put more on his plate, but still do what he's good at. The stuff that made him where he is today. You know, give him some of those manufactured touches. So I'm hoping in year three, we actually see a lot of those things come back together and he can, you know, he'll take what he learned from, from playing downfield a lot more uh, last year and take it forward to this year. And he'll excel in those manufactured touches. And maybe he can grow into this wide receiver that really can excel uh, and be worthy of like that ranking. We came into the year with because yeah, he was top 10 for a lot of guys coming into the year. So I think a lot of us are excited about him, excited about the athlete. He can be excited about the things he can do. Uh, we just have to see more of it. It was kind of a disappointing year to see them put more on his plate and him not exactly be su- successful with it. All right, guys, look, that wraps up our ranking show. I do want to say this on a personal side. Uh, I have updated the rankings, but I haven't gone through and done like a massive re-ranking. I just, just for me personally, my process is I have a whole separate sheet. I rank like each position group within their own tiers for each class. And then I rank them all together from like all my tier ones from each class, all my tier twos. And that's just, that's just my process at the moment. That's just how I do it until I, until I either hate it or I find a better way to do it. So um, the NFL guys are still also on the website. I do believe those guys will be going away here in a week because today, well, today is in the recording. Uh, January 15th is the last day to declare for the NFL draft. So that, that should be a pretty big update coming this week as well. Corey, are we doing the after show or like is your internet too bad for that? Uh, you know, we got some weather problems over here, but I think I, I think I can squeeze in the after show. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for joining me and Corey for this ranking update. Um, if you're not sticking for the after show, good night. If you are sticking for the after show, we might have a special guest from Corey's household. I don't know, but stick around, guys. <laughs> from Corey and from Mike, good night and good luck. Good luck.